0: Welcome to episode 10 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by Up. I'm Matt Zatilli. I am joined by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. Pleasure
1: to see you, sir. How's everything going for you? Everything's good. We hit double digits. This has been fantastic so far, and I'm pumped for this interview. We're three days away from opening day. Couldn't be happier.
0: Yes, we are officially playing baseball this week, July 2nd. Get amped and oh and you just mentioned it it's episode 10 we've made it to double digits we've had some fantastic interviews and we've heard some great things back from some of our guests recently what's been your favorite memory and just your favorite part of the podcast so far
1: that's tough because all these interviews have been fantastic um I'll give two things number one the Red Sox getting getting more favorite teams over the Yankees that's been that's been great but episode nine having cam cook say that dill pickle seeds were his favorite that's 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 special yeah you were itching
0: for that you had the dill pickle seeds ready in hand to show and i'm happy for you that was a big moment that was a big moment i would say so far just hearing some of the baseball memories and some of the experiences that these guys have like hearing that you know for example brad smith got a ring from jerry reinsdorf and that he was part of the white Sox organization Andy shared a really cool memory coming up this year, and just hearing what the Futures League means to everyone. I mean, this is such a special league, and once again, credit to Joe Pellucci, our boss and commissioner, and everyone in the organizations and all the local health officials who've made this possible. We're so close to playing, and we finally start on Thursday. So uh, we got a great interview with Andy Terrio, the manager of the Brockton Rocks. So let's get on into that. Here is Andy Terrio. At this time, we now welcome on a very special guest. It is Andy Terrio, the field manager of the Brockton Rocks. Andy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I've been enjoying, enjoying all the episodes so far. Um, I don't think I've missed one yet. You guys are doing a great job. It's, it's been great for the league. Uh, you guys are doing a terrific job.
0: Thank you so much. Great to hear that as always, and we're hitting double digits today. It's our 10th episode, so great to have you on, and after Ray Garino, you're our second manager, so we're starting to make our rounds around the front offices and around the uh, managerial ranks too.
2: Great. Yeah, it's, uh, Ray's interview was great. It was really nice to hear from the guys in New Britain. I haven't had a chance to, to meet those guys or talk to him yet, but uh, Ray seems like a great guy and excited to, to get some games going in New Britain and get a chance to meet him. He seems like uh, he's going to be great for the league.
1: Yeah, that was a fantastic interview. And getting right into it here, I attended your guys' first practice of the season. You guys looked pretty good and ready to go. Uh, how did it feel coming back out? onto the practice field, and how have practices progressed since?
2: Oh, I felt great. Uh, I, I described it to someone the other day. It was it was like a combination of uh, your first day of Little League practice and, and Christmas morning. Um, the, the smiles were, were huge. I mean, the guys, just to get their cleats back on and, and get on the field, um, the sound of the baseball, you know, off the bat was great. Um, so it was fun. That first day was, was fantastic. For me, it was three months to the day. My, my college team, we had played a game on March March 15th. I think that was June 15th when we had our first workout. So it was uh, three months to the day for me. So it felt really good. And then uh, transitioning into what we've been doing the last uh, week and a half or so, um, it's been great. We 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 had our first two live sessions earlier this week. Um, really excited about our pitching staff. Um, I think we had four or five guys that were at 90 miles an hour or above. So um, that's that's encouraging to see. Um, hitters are a little bit behind, which is to be expected. It's been anywhere from three to four months for those guys. But practices have been great it's been uh, exciting for sure
1: have you guys gone full squad yet because I know when I went there it was pitchers separate from hitters
2: yeah so we were able to this week we got the approval from the the board of health in the city of Brockton so we've been able to have full workouts which was great the first couple were tough because it would only be the pitchers and then it would only be the hitters Um, those guys were able to get their work in but now for the last week or so we've been going full squad workouts and um, it's been great to, to for the guys to get a chance to meet one another there's a lot of guys that were former travel ball teammates, high school teammates. Um, so they were a little bit surprised to see some of the guys that they had played with years prior come back. And uh, we're excited to get going now that we've got everyone.
0: So how do you navigate having to socially distance the players and kind of doing multiple rotations of guys coming in and coming out? Like, do you try to alternate those groups? Or are you beyond the point of having to really, you know, separate the guys into multiple fractions or, you know, how does that factor in, in addition to managing all the logistics of trying to get the best baseball team out there?
2: Yeah, I think we've, we've sort of moved past that point, but we're still being extremely cognizant of it. Um, you know, when we're working out, you know, some of the pitchers are out in the bullpen. Um, if we can, we use both dugouts right now because we're obviously the only team on the field. Um, but once we're on the field, we're just we're playing baseball, but we're just trying to remain extremely cognizant of what's going on around us. Um, I do think that there was a ruling that came down from the league earlier this week that there aren't going to be any visiting clubhouses this year. So I think one of the things that we're going to do as a team is we're going to utilize both clubhouses at Campanelli. Um, so that way we have 37 guys instead of in one, one clubhouse. We'll be able to break it up with about 18 or 19 guys in each. So that way we're, we're keeping our social distance. I know that uh, as far as the bus rides, we're going to wear our masks on the bus. Um, and our ownership group has been terrific. They're talking about possibly even using two buses for us so that we can spread out. Um, you know, we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that we're responsible. Um, we know how lucky we are that we're getting a chance to play baseball this summer. So we're doing everything we can. Um, we've probably, I don't want to say broken some rules, but we've, we've probably made a mistake here or there where we're too close to one another. Uh, but that's the world we're living in. We're all trying to make that adjustment mid-game, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it's all so new. So, I mean, a few mistakes here and there isn't the worst thing in the world. You know, everybody forgets their mask when they walk in a right. or whatever. Um, So we heard from Joe Pellucci a couple episodes ago talking about the competition in this league and how it's so great. How do you plan to enter into the summer and try to balance out playing time between the very talented squad that you have rolling out this summer?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know yet. (laughs) It's going to be, we're learning a little bit about some guys here during the, during the live, the live sessions. Um, I think for me, just my previous experience, I'm always about making sure that every guy is going to get an opportunity to to, to set himself up to be successful. Um, you know, ultimately, I'm competitive, the guys that we have are all competitive, that's why we bring them in. So we are going to play to win, but especially those first 15 to 20 games, it's going to, we might almost roll out a, a new starting nine every night. Um, pitchers are going to be extremely limited, they're probably the first three times through the rotation, they're only going to go two to three innings. Um, You know, I think we have a responsibility to the players and to their programs that sent them out to us um, to make sure that they get an opportunity to get better. So we're going to play to win, but we're also going to make sure that that guys are being put in positions to be successful while maintaining their health. You know, we don't want to send a pitcher out for six or seven innings his first start after he hasn't thrown for four or five months. So um, it's probably going to be a process that we're trying to figure out as we go.
0: And you mentioned it earlier, you guys had a terrific pitching staff last year. You have a handful of returning players, including Nick Sinecola. We had on the podcast recently. What are you expecting from him and the rest of the players who are returning to Brockton to kind of set the standard and introduce some of the new guys and just, you know, retain that success you guys had in the regular season last year?
2: Yeah, I mean, Nick's a great guy to have come back. I mean, you're bringing back the guy who was voted the top pro pitching prospect in the league. Uh, I think he finished second in the league in strikeouts. Uh, was off to a fantastic start this spring with Maine. He he ended up leading the America East in strikeouts in the abbreviated season. Um, he looked phenomenal in his live session yesterday. Guys gravitate to him. He's a he's a quiet guy. He's a quiet leader. But um, the guys really gravitate to them. He leads by example. Um, we have Justin Garcia, who who played for us last summer. He, he looked terrific in his live session. Um, Chris Knight is another guy who finished the summer with us last year. Um, so to have those three guys come back off of a pitching staff that was um, – you know one of the stronger staffs in the league last year it's, it's encouraging um you know i think those guys having navigated their way through a summer before they know what i expect of them they know um what to expect of me um so i think it's going to be really encouraging to watch them throw the ball this summer before we return to our interview with andy terrio
1: we wanted to share a message from one of our sponsors change up We're excited to announce a brand new partnership this season with ChangeUp, a cutting edge, player-centric pitch tracking solution promoting health and safety, allowing coaches to capture and analyze a proprietary set of performance analytics and helping pitchers maximize their potentials. Coming to baseball programs around the world this year, ChangeUp eliminates the administrative overhead associated with adhering to pitch count regulations, allowing coaches to focus on baseball. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. Changeup is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. Together, we can make this great game even better by protecting arms and ensuring compliance with pitching guidelines. For more information, visit Changeup's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Changeup. Every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Andy Terrio. Yeah, and with those returning guys, you also have plenty of new guys coming to the Rocks this summer. Can you give us a little preview of what, should we, what we should expect from the new additions to the Rocks this season?
2: Yeah, I think um, we're going to be very athletic, that's for sure. We have a couple of guys that can play all over the diamond. Um, I think our offense last year, I want to say we, we might have led the league in, in quite a few of the offensive categories, uh, runs scored possibly. We're probably not going to be that type of team again this year. We have um, – Quite a few young guys, we, uh, we went uh, high school heavy with some high-end potential talent, but there's also some, gonna be some room for some growing pains there. Um, I expect us to play, play very strong defense. We've looked really good in the live sessions. Um, we have three or four guys that are capable of handling the shortstop position. So I've, I'll feel confident putting them at second base or third base. Um, I think pitching is gonna be the strength, but, but there's a handful of guys. I think, you know, Jake Geloff is a name that a lot of people might recognize. We had his brother Zach with us two summers ago in Brockton. Uh, Zach was just named a second team All-American at Virginia this year av- after his sophomore year um, his younger brother Jake is going to be with us this summer he's going to Virginia next year penciled in to play some short and some second for them so he's a guy that we're really looking looking for some uh, exciting stuff from uh, we have Joel Lara from Franklin Pierce he's going to play center field for us uh, Joel was off to a fantastic start for for Pierce um, his on-base percentage was like 520 this spring so that's a guy that we're going to pencil into that leadoff spot. And if he's getting on at a 520 clip, I think that might help the offense a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of encouraging young talent that we have. So we're looking forward to seeing those guys.
1: And last year you mentioned the stats you guys led in triples, home runs, slugging percentage and OPS. So it'll be nice to see which categories you're leading in at the end of this summer.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know if we have the boppers that we had last year had some of those guys, like a Gabby Cruz and a Mitch D'Norfrio and, and Gabe Gioso, who were, uh, Man, it was like every night we were hitting two or three home runs. But I think we – I could see us leading the league in triples again. We obviously have the, the big gaps there at Campanelli. That played into us leading the league in triples last year probably. We do have some burners. we got some guys that can really fly on the bases. So um, I do think that that's – you know, the doubles and triples are something that are going to probably come in, in bunches for us. And uh, we traditionally aren't a team that, that runs a lot. But uh, I could see us maybe swiping some more bags this year with, with some of those fleet-footed guys on the bases.
0: And I was in Westfield last summer. I remember seeing you out there as a base coach, if I remember correctly. We talked to Ray. He said that his strategy is going to lean more on the aggressive side. Are you going to be returning to the base paths, and how do you kind of factor that in, especially considering your team speed?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll be back out at third base again this summer. Um, I'm aggressive by nature. Um, ball's in the gap. I, you know, I love guys scoring from first base. I like to see us go first to third. Um, you know, just in general, I think pressure is a good thing, but even more so in summer ball when, you know, we're not taking IO every single day. We're not, we're not working on relays and cuts, um, which is, you know, it's maybe that's to the detriment of the game, but I do think that uh, it's good to get guys out there running the bases. And I think, you know, last year we probably only had one or two guys thrown out at home from first and uh, I, I sent probably double digits. I, it's just by, by, my, my nature, I'm just aggressive. If we got guys that can run the bases, I want to put pressure on the defense. You know, if we hit a ball out to the left center gap at Campanelli, that's it's 385 feet. So let's make that outfielder make a 200-foot throw and then make that middle infielder make a strong relay throw. So you need three good things to happen in order to cut us down at the plate. So it's something that I've always kind of been as a base coach, and, and we're probably going to lean, lean in that direction again this summer as well.
0: So you touched on it earlier, talking about the combination of Christmas morning and first Little League practice and the three-month hiatus. You know, what does it mean for you to get back out there on the diamond and coach these players who had their seasons cut short in the spring and who are just itching to play baseball again?
2: It means the world. You know, it's, uh, it's something that I don't take for granted. Um, I was really wondering what I was going to do with my summer if we didn't have baseball. Um, I'm a guy that, you know, my entire life, spring and summer, has been baseball and by by mid-April, it was like I was ready to snap. You know, everything was agitating me. And uh, just knowing that we're one of the few leagues across the country that's going to get an opportunity to be out there, it's it's something that we're not taking for granted. It's something that I personally am not taking for granted. Um, I love collegiate summer baseball. There are a lot of people that, that have a lot of bad things to say about it. It's summer ball and it's not taken serious. But, um, you know, I think by and large, for the most part, 99% of these guys are out here because they want to compete, they want to get better, they want to measure themselves against some of the best players in the country. Um, it just means the world to be, out, to be able to be out there on the field with those guys and, and watch them go about their craft, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to get going here soon. It's, it's going to be an even more fun summer than it typically is.
1: Yeah, staying on the sentimental track a little bit, what's it like to coach the Rocks, and what does the FCBL mean to you as a whole?
2: Yeah, it means a lot. You know, this is—I'm uh, going into year four with Brockton. Um, I started out in 2017. Just kind of thought it might be a one-year thing. Um, the ownership group is phenomenal. Chris English is is such a great great guy to work for. Um, Tom Tracy, who who used to be in the dugout with us, and now he's taken over as general manager. Um, you know, I love those guys. They they've meant the world to me. They've they've helped me out along along the way in my career. Um, you know, Brockton's a great place to play you know we all have big crowds and small crowds in the league where you know but you play in, in at Campanelli Stadium on a Friday night prior to all this and we'd have 4,000 people uh, cheering you on it it's a blast you know and the Futures League in general just um, it holds a special place for me I mean I think what Chris Hall started and now Joe Pellucci's taken over the uh, the fact that it's, it's always the players first you know it's you know I think we all by nature including the front offices, the coaching staff, the players, we're all competitive We all do this because we want to compete. We like to win. But at the end of the day, we all make sure that we're putting the players health and success first. And I think that that's one of the things that I, I cherish the most about the futures league is, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the impact you can have on your players and and to know that we're setting guys up for success, that they can go in and and be the most dominant version of themselves when they get back to campus is really cool. I mean, for me, Watching Nick Sinecola pitch last summer was awesome, but then knowing that he was the opening day starter for Maine this year and he was their Friday guy and led the America East in in strikeouts, that means more to me than winning 35 games in the summer. We want to win, but um, it's great when those guys are having success. It makes you feel really good and really happy for the kids.
0: Well, we're really excited to see what's in store for year four. Backtracking to 2019. So you guys finished 31 and 23. You were tied at the top of the league with Bristol in the playoffs suffered a first round exit to Worcester in a winner take all game three at Campanelli and they were eventually crowned champions what motivation do you take into this summer following that uh, playoff loss and you know especially with some of the guys returning that have that same chip on their shoulder
2: yeah it's a good question um, you know for me it's it's going to be a little bit different because this year it's going to be more of a sprint with only 40 games and I say you know marathon and 56 games it's not a long season but 56 for these guys is a lot so I've always been more of a, you know, it's the marathon, not the sprint. And we would approach it day by day. There were a couple times last year we'd lose three games in a row. And I think for me as a manager, I personally try to maintain an even level at all times, you know, for, if, I, I don't want people to know if we've won 10 in a row or lost 10 in a row. It's going to be a little bit different this year. Um, so I think for us, it's going to be, you know, we got to get out, out of the gate quickly. We know how talented the league is. Um, you know, Worcester did it, you know, they, they, had, Great job to them last year. Kudos to them. They, they, they all played us in that series. And uh, I think for us, we just want to move forward. And it's a new year. We do have a lot of guys back, but there's also a lot of guys that don't know anything about last year. So um, I think there's always that internal motivation that you want to be the best. And uh, that's, that's going to kind of what be what pushes us forward here is just making sure that we're, we're trying to play our best baseball day in and day out. In terms of your coaching experience, you're the pitching coach
1: at Puma State, and you also were the pitching coach at one point for the Rocks but you were also a Rocks hitting coach. So how do you balance your expertise in pitching with your expertise in hitting when talking to these players?
2: Yeah, I'd say I I wouldn't really consider myself an expert neither. (laughs) Um, I'm more of a jack of all trades. So I was a a catcher by trade. Um, My first year in Brockton as a pitching coach was my first experience as a pitching coach. Um, I had worked with pitchers. I did pitching lessons before, Um, but I was always more of a positional guy um, just having played, played catcher and a little bit of third base. But for me, it's just, uh, I think I can, it's nice to be able to relate to to both sides of the ball. Um, you know, my my expert, I guess you would say my expertise is pitching, that's what I handle at school. So I'm, I'm much more hands-on with the pitching staff during the summer. For me, it's not so much about coaching them as much as guiding them in the summer, because all of these guys are coming to us with a, a goal and, and something that they were given to work on by their collegiate staff. So for me, it's basically just, trying to shepherd those guys in the right direction and make sure that they're they're not getting in their own way and they're not getting injured as far as the hitters um uh, it's really the same thing i don't really talk to them too much about their swing if they come to me and there's something that they ask me if i see um you know we'll we'll talk to them about it but again it's it's mostly getting video for guys and, and sending it back to their schools and make sure that they're accomplishing what they were set out to to work on ultimately i i i'm big on just letting the guys go out and play i mean for me it's uh I'm going to do more harm than good. If I'm there trying to coach him up in the middle of the game, just go out and let your natural ability take over. And uh, I I consider, you know, a good coach to be the guy that gets out of the way and let let his guys do their thing.
0: So in terms of your playing experience, you were a two-year captain at Kingswood Regional High School and you were first team all-state selection your senior year in New Hampshire. You know, you kind of touched on it, but what skills as a catcher do you bring that helps you relate to pitchers having not played that position and as a player, how do you translate and kind of look back on the coaches that you've had experiences with and try to take those lessons now to your players?
2: Yeah, I think for me, um, I grew up uh, loving, loving the, the position of catcher. I, I really like being involved. I, you know, I, I never really wanted to be a pitcher, but I didn't like the the inactivity. I mean, we'll, we'll say it, there's inactivity in the game when you're playing shortstop. You might, might not get a ball all game. So, you know, I, I grew up fortunate enough that I I got to watch some really great catchers. We used to go to the Portland Sea Dogs games a lot when I was a kid, so we saw like Charles Johnson and Mike Redmond, who were two guys that had terrific big league careers. And then being a New England guy, I just absolutely cherished watching Jason Varitek. So for me, the thing that I loved the most about Tech was he he always took pride in getting his pitcher through a game. And uh, you know, if he hit 280 with 15 home runs, you took that as a cherry on top. So that was kind of for me personal, that was what I wanted. You know, if I could get my starting pitcher through a game and, and he had us in position to win a game and I got a hit here or there, great. But it was more about helping my teammate get through a game and putting us in a position to be successful. And I think that's kind of translated to my coaching. It's not so much about, you know, what can I do to, to, you know, make sure we're all getting, you know, first team all state accolades or all conference, but it's what can I do to help that pitcher get through the lineup enough to give us a chance to win. Um, so that's kind of how I approached my my position as a catcher and translated it to my my pitching coach days. Um, but yeah, I was super fortunate that had a lot. I had a lot of coaches that um, gave me a lot of responsibility. Um, I was fortunate enough to never really play for a coach that called pitches. They they let me do my own thing and call my own game, and uh, that's something that I've done as a coach. I let the, the pitchers and catchers call their own game. I think there's something to be said for learning on your own. If 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 I call a pitch that you're not confident in and you give up a hit, you're not going to trust me. If you throw a pitch that you want to throw and you give up a 700-foot seven home run, if you can come in and give me an explanation as to why you threw that pitch, all right, maybe it wasn't the right reason, but you had, it, you had a reason. So I think there's, there's some value in, in taking ownership for what you're doing on the field. And I, I think, you know, that was beneficial to me. So that's kind of how I've approached my, my career as a coach. I want the guys to go out and succeed and fail on their own. And I just want to be there as a safety net for them.
0: Sure, very valuable mentality. Uh, touching on your other athletic abilities, So you also played football in high school. You were an all state selection as a defensive back in 2004. What was that experience like?
2: I loved it. Uh, there's times that I, I miss playing football a little bit more than baseball. Um, there was something about those Friday night light games, you know, where you're, you're out there and the whole school and the whole town is there. And it's some of the best times in my life, you know, some of my best friends were were guys that I didn't play football or I didn't play baseball with. They were football teammates. And, you know, you go through those two days in August and you're sweating and you're, you're, you're bruised and you're bleeding. And then, you know, you, you go shower, you go to lunch, you go for a swim and you come back for the second practice of the day. So, uh, you know, my best friend was, you know, I played quarterback and my best friend was a running back and we played in the defensive backfield together. He was the best man at my wedding. So um, that was such a such a fun time. There, You know, I look back on, on those four years of playing football as some of my favorite times for sure. How was your trash talk game? Because I know that football. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk
1: all over the field.
2: Yeah, I, I had a big mouth. <laughs> Not something that you could do in the baseball field so much. You know, you kind of have to be a little bit more reserved. Um, it's funny. I told people a lot of times. I, I was like, I, I was almost like I had split personality. I would flip a switch when the, when it was time for the to game for the game to start. I was, uh, yeah, I was a big trash talker. Um, talked a lot of, a lot of smack on the football field. <laughs>
0: Well, you walk the walk, and you also talk the talk, given that selection.
2: <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I, that, that's the thing. I feel like uh, I was able to back it up a little bit, and that's, that's the hope. You don't want to talk it if you can't back it up. Should we warn
1: uh, opposing managers about your trash talk this year?
2: <sighs> I hope not. I'm, I think on the <laughs> baseball field, I'm actually a pretty even-keeled guy. Um, and we actually have a great relationship with the other managers in the league. There actually might be trash talk, but it's more, more sarcastic and in, and in fun. Uh, you know, Kjax up in Nashua is a, is a really good friend of mine. Um, I actually played AAU baseball for Kyle's father's program the New Hampshire Grizzlies. Kyle's a couple years older than me, but, uh, so Kyle and I have a great relationship. Uh, I love Alex Dion and Worcester. So, uh, I hopefully I won't be talking too much trash to those guys, but you never know. We get, we're all pretty competitive guys. Andy, you also coached the all-star game last year. Can you tell us a little bit about
1: that experience and what was that like to get all the leagues best together and coach them all in one place?
2: That was uh, so much fun. Um, I kind of had an, had an inclination going into the, the the start of the the weekend that there was a shot that I could do it. Um, the night before the All-Star game, we were playing Pittsfield, and we were a half game behind Pittsfield, and we already knew that that Odie was going to be managing one of the teams. So Getty and I were were basically coaching for the All-Star bid, and that, that's probably the one time in my life on a baseball field. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm okay if we lose. Getty can be the manager in his home ballpark. That would have been really cool. I think we ended up like, we, I think we ended up blowing him out that night. Getty was like, huh, you got a coach tomorrow. Like, I'm going to kick back. But uh, honestly, it was a blast. I mean, what an honor to be on the field. Um, that's one of my favorite mementos. I actually kept the dugout card and the lineup card from that game. You never know. You hope there might be a big leaguer or two for, from that game. And there's a high probability with, with the talent that was on that field. What a blast. I mean. Wakona Park is one of the, one of the true gems in New England. Pittsfield, uh, those fans always show up. They always show out. It was a great environment. It was a great day. Um, and then to just to get to the, you know, shoot the breeze with those guys during the scout day and during the home run derby, you get to hang out with a guy like Angela Baez, who you compete against or a guy like, uh, you know, Jackson Peterson, who you compete against. And you're like, man, you know, it's really nice to just be able to talk baseball with these guys and, and hear about their experience this summer and what they've enjoyed and, what they're studying in school and where they're from. So, it was uh, it was great. It was more of a it was more of a team award because it was you know our team had had won the second most games at that point. So, you know I was thankful that my guys got me there. Um, but yeah, what a blast! So much fun and uh, really looking forward to watching the the career of those guys that played in that game and hopefully we get a few big leaguers out of that.
0: And I'm sure it was also super rewarding to see your boy Nick Sinicola take the bump too, as a starter, you know, sure. It was kind of like a proud managerial moment, but he had an awesome inning. I believe he had two strikeouts in his first inning work, you know, how cool was that?
2: Yeah, it was phenomenal. There were so many guys that were deserving of that start. Um, I think, you know, once I found out that I was going to start though, it just meant the world to me to be able to, to give the ball to my guy. I think that's, you know, one of the things that when you do manage an all-star game, you you do get to kind of reap some of the benefits and, um, you know, we were fortunate. I think we had seven or eight all-stars that day. But Nick had been a guy to that point that had really gotten us there. I mean, super dominant in the first half. Um, so proud of his success. And, and, you know, I said to him on the bus, I said, hey, hey, you, you want the ball? You want to start? And, you know, he was like, heck yeah. I could ask him that any day of the week, and he's going to say, heck yeah. But um, it meant the world to be able to give him the ball. And then to watch him go out and, and kind of, uh, you know, reaffirm what we thought, that he was one of the best pitchers in the league with two strikeouts against the best hitters in the league it was so much fun to watch and it's fun to watch Nick pitch every time, but that night was, was really special.
0: I'm sure you also touched on the scouting day and enjoying the time you spent with the players. How do you view the setup that the league has this year where you and Worcester are going to be sharing a scout day and just, you know, have the players still get an opportunity to get looks from scouts in that early August window.
2: Yeah, it's great. Uh, That was one of the things that we were most concerned about when we knew that we were going to lose the all-star game was a scout day. That's, that's, you know, honestly one of the biggest days of the year for us. Uh, we had a player in my first year in Brockton, uh, 17, Aldrich DeJong, who uh, he ran something bananas like a 6'4'' 60 at the pro day and got swarmed. Like the scouts went, ran right up to him. And then uh, the following year he got drafted in the 18th round by the Dodgers. So, I mean, it's it can make or break a, a, a chance at a guy's career. So phenomenal job by the league being able to make that happen in those three days. It means the world to us as coaches because – you know, ultimately, that's what I'm doing this for this summer and every summer. We're we're doing it because we want to win, but we're doing it because we want every single guy that throws a uniform with the FCBL logo on it to get an opportunity to to follow their dreams and further their career. So, uh, I think it would have been a big disappointment if we weren't able to make it happen. And and the fact that Joe and the rest of the, the the guys in the league were able to put this together means the world. So, hopefully, we get we get those guys out there in front of the scouts and they're able to show what they can do, and it it gets them that next step in their career.
1: Yeah, and a big part of this league is showcasing all levels of the college game, including the D2 and D3 guys who not, might not get as many looks. So we, we are obviously very happy, too, with the scout day, and that should be a lot of fun in the beginning of August.
2: Yeah, I think it means the world to those guys more than the D1. I mean, it means, it means a lot to all of them. But, you know, those Division three guys, again, going back to my first year in 17, we had Mike McCaffrey, who was a pitcher from Division three Wesleyan, and Joe Silva, who was an outfielder from Division three Concordia Chicago. And they were the pitcher of the game and the player of the game in the all-star game. And I think it was a one, nothing game, two division three guys that got to showcase their stuff before the game. And then again in the game, you know, those guys cherish that because they might only play in front of 40 people and 17 of them are grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunt, uncle. So those guys, that's a really big draw. I know last year we had a couple of guys that weren't participating in the all-star game um, that came along to participate in the scout day because they were division two, division three guys that were, upper 80s pitchers and you know hoping to maybe pop a 90 and, and get that chance to be seen so um it's a really big thing for the league it's it's one of the big selling points when we try to get players here
1: yeah and kind of coming back to uh the present day how about a message to the Brockton fans as we get ready for the season
2: yeah we're uh, still waiting on the word but we're hoping that we'll be able to see you guys at the park soon um you know we we value you guys we, we cherish the support that we get day in and day out in the summer and uh Hopefully we can see you. We're waiting on the word and hopefully we get the go ahead to get you guys out to the ballpark and have some fun. We know everyone's jonesing for some baseball. So we we hope we can provide some fun and some entertainment for you soon.
0: Yeah. And it's coming up this week when this releases, it's going to be three days until opening night. So we're jazzed about it and, you know, fingers crossed for player safety and good weather. So, you know, amen to that. So we now move on to our final segment. It is called quick hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So Andy, this has been an awesome interview so far, we've got a couple more questions for you. I'm sure you're familiar with the segment now, having listened to all the episodes. So we want our audience to get you a little bit, a little bit more familiar with you, if that's okay. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Favorite player that you've had a chance to play with or manage over the years?
2: This is my least favorite question because it's like picking your favorite child. Um, so I have a guy that, uh, he, he's going to play for Nashua this summer, played for Nashua last summer, but he played with us in Brockton in 18. Um, Jack Arend is a guy that Jack and I text a couple times a month still. Um, we're both New Hampshire guys, uh, both division three guys, both catchers, uh, two of the most sarcastic people you're ever going to meet. Um, I love Jack. The only difference between Jack and I is he's still not tall enough to ride the rides at Disney world. Uh, <laughs> and I tell him that, but, um, no, he's a guy that we just razz each other constantly. Um, I'll razz him from our dugout when he's at the plate. He razzes me. I went out to make a mound change last year, and I like I stumbled a little bit coming out of the dugout, and he was chirping me from the dugout. So I have a lot of favorites that I've that I've played with and that I've coached. But Jack is a guy that uh, you know we're really close still, even after you know two years ago, you know when he was in Brockton. Um, and I just I love the kid. You know he's he's one of my my favorites that I've ever been around.
0: Favorite opposing FCBL ballpark?
2: Whew. It's it's a tie for me. It's it's uh, it's Nashua and Worcester. Um, I love Holman Stadium, the historic feel, the ballpark. Uh, it's the only park that we play in in New Hampshire. Being a New Hampshire guy, um, but man, it's fun to play at Worcester. You know, any night of the week, there's going to be anywhere from three thousand to fifty five hundred people there. Su- they're super in tune to the game. They're they're completely engaged. They're not just there on their phones. They're watching. Um, and the post-game spread there is always great.
0: We'll get to that in a second. We got a little game day yeah. meal question. But before that, uh, what was your walk-up music that you had as a player, whether it be, you know, in college, maybe if you didn't get a chance to have one, what was one that you would have? Just, you know, walk us through what kind of tunes you'd throw on.
2: Yeah, so I, uh, I, I, I shifted them pretty frequently, but the one I, I used the longest was, was All the Above by Mano and T-Pain. I think it was like a 2007, 2008 um, that was the one that I used the most frequently. But, uh, yeah, I was a big, like, change it, you know, maybe not every year, but, uh, you know, maybe once or twice a year if I was in a little bit of a slump, I'd change it for a week or two. But that was, like, the, the dominant one that I used the most.
0: Okay. And I feel like you already answered this for us when we talked about Veritech and the Sea Dogs, but favorite major league team.
2: Yeah, big Red Sox fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a baseball fan in general. I'll watch any, any game with any team. But, you know, rooting interest, big-time Red Sox fan.
0: Yeah, and uh, training camp's coming up this week.
2: Yeah. Players will be back at
0: Fenway. Him.
2: Yeah, let's go.
0: <laughs> Favorite player in the big leagues, could be current or historical.
2: Uh, yeah, for me, I think it, it's probably Veritech. Um, I was, when I was a kid, I was a huge Sammy Sosa guy growing up. This was before the corks bat and the steroids. Um, I, I was a little guy, like right in the heart of that summer chase with McGuire and Sosa. and Sammy used to do the kiss and the, the, you know, the jump when he hit a home run. So, my, my actually, my first jersey was a, that blue Cubs with the, the bear on the chest. I had the Sammy Sosa jersey. So, uh, loved Sammy growing up, but uh, then, you know, all the bad stuff started to come out. So, I think Veritech has pretty much always been my guy.
0: Sure. Did you get a chance to see Long Gone Summer, the 30 for 30 on McGuire Sosa? I, I,
2: no, I missed it, but it's, uh, it's definitely, it's, I've got it saved and it's queued up for when I get a chance to give it a watch.
0: Awesome. I don't want to give any spoilers. I haven't seen it, but I have heard they focus a lot more heavily on McGuire and kind of Sammy takes a backseat, but I'll I'll let you be the judge of that when the time comes.
2: That was kind of the whole summer. It was Mark. Mark was kind of in the lead there the whole way. So Sammy was like a little bit of the forgotten man until they came down the stretch. So that sounds about right.
0: Sure. And also fantastic jersey too. that blue Cubs one iconic Uh, bat and glove that you would use when you were playing.
2: Yeah. Big Louisville slugger guy. Love the Louisvilles. Uh, The 271 is my bat for sure. I love that. And then the the Rawlings Pro Preferred is just the best. Um, Love the all-star catcher's mitt. Didn't get it until a little bit later in my my life, though. I was always a Rawlings guy. So yeah, Rawlings and Louisville slugger, kind of the, the classics.
1: What about cleats? What cleats were you lacing up?
2: I was a Nike guy. Um, New Balance wasn't in the game yet, so uh, I'm a big New Balance turf guy now. I only wear New Balance, but uh, when I was playing, it was, it was Nike. Reebok was big then still. I think I don't know if Reebok's in baseball anymore, but, uh, yeah, I was a big Nike guy. I love the Harachis.
1: And what about a baseball nickname that you've developed over the years?
2: Nothing major. It was basically just AT, just my initials. Yeah, that was really it.
1: Nice and simple. How about superstitions, whether as a coach or as a player?
2: Never step on the lines, never step on the lines. Um, Other than that, not too much, I guess, I say not too much, but I guess not too much in the baseball realm, you know, never step on the lines. Um, I always got dressed the same way. You know, it was always left, left foot, left arm first. You know, if I taped my wrist, it was left wrist first, then it was the right wrist. As I got a little bit older, I started to get weird with my bats. You know, if I was like 0 for 2 or 0 for 3, it was not my fault. It was the bat's fault. You know, I I might be swinging through a fastball on the middle, but that wasn't my fault. It was always the bat. So um, yeah, I got a little bit weird towards the end there, but I think we're all a little weird. (laughs) Yeah. You got to blame the bat. I mean, it's always the bat. Yeah. It's always the bat. It's why I'm not, it's not, it's why I'm not in the bigs right now. I never had a good (laughs) (laughs) bat. And then how about
1: you mentioned game day meals. How about your favorite game day meal that you either ate as a player or now in the FCBO?
2: uh i think the classic is chick-fil-a anytime we're on the road and we get chick-fil-a after a game that's just that's the best but uh anything they serve at worcester is it's always phenomenal the Credens do such a great job so we like going to worcester and any meal that we get at worcester is a good meal
1: and then bubble gum or sunflower seeds what's your preference
2: uh not too big on either but definitely more of a seed guy
1: any flavor or brand in particular
2: i do like the davids and uh I go back and forth. Uh, I like the barbecue big time. That's probably my, my go-to, but can't complain with the ranch either. Both very
1: popular answers. Yep. And then final question for you. How about a favorite all-time baseball memory?
2: So this one's a little bit of a story. So, um, I was fortunate back out in the early uh, 2010s. My wife was getting her master's at Northwestern. We were living in Chicago and uh, at that time I was working full-time at a travel or at a facility coaching travel teams and, and giving lessons. And, um, we had a great facility, and we'd have anywhere from a half dozen to ten big leaguers in there in the winter working out. Um, so his last year – yeah, his last year when he retired, um, Kerry Wood was coming in there to work out. And um, I actually got to catch Kerry Wood's bullpens before he left for spring training. And I've been around quite a few big leaguers, but it's the first time in my life that I've been starstruck because I'm a bit of a historian. And you can count on one hand the number of guys that have struck out 20 hitters in a big league game, and Kerry Wood's in that group. So. Being back there catching Kerry Wood throwing a bullpen was probably the, the coolest experience that I've ever had around baseball. Um, so much fun to to be back there and watch that guy go about his craft.
0: Now, did he throw you any junk that you couldn't handle? Did he try to take it easy on you? Did you, did you feel it in the in the uh, in the hand the next day?
2: No, he let me have it, but I tell you what, he learned, I think the year before he got traded from Cleveland to, to New York for the Yankees for the stretch run, so he had actually learned the cutter from from Mariano. So he threw me a cutter, and, I mean, for the first, like, 49 feet, I'm like, this is not a good pitch. And then in the <laughs> last, like, six and a half feet, it darted, like, 18 inches, and I was like – I think I barely got the web on it, and I was like, oh, that's a big league cutter. <laughs> um, but, no, he was great, man. He He was just – just getting his work in. And it was, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of soreness in the hand the next day. He could still, he could still throw it a little bit, but yeah, to see that cutter, I was like, all right, now I know why guys uh, have a hard time hitting in the big leagues.
0: Hardest thing to do in sports, they say. No doubt. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. This was tremendous. Uh, Best of luck with everything. And we're really excited to visit and hopefully see you soon at Campanelli.
2: Yeah. Thank you again, guys, for having me. This, this was a blast. It was fun talking to you guys Uh, keep doing this, uh, you know, as well as you are, this has been great for the league and I know I had a blast today and I'm sure that that everyone, everyone's looking forward to getting on here and talking to you guys. This is great exposure for, for our players and for our league. So thank you for that guys.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for the kind words and uh, you know, we're telling everyone to subscribe. We're streaming on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. We got releases on Monday and Thursday. But for now, this has been episode 10 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. As we mentioned, episode's coming out Monday and Thursday. Nick Sinicola's been on here. Andy Terrio's been on here. So we got the Brockton presence going a little bit. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.